Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the recovery guy, and you have entered into the fix. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the Recovery Guy and welcome. Welcome to this podcast. Welcome to Friday's version of the Recovery Guy. I hope your week has gone well. Your day has gone well. Your month has gone well. Your year is going well because I don't know when you're going to listen to this. So I don't know if you're going to listen to it um, uh, the first time out, right? I don't know if you're going to find me somewhere along the road and and look through my library and find us then. So it, whatever day you're listening, I hope this podcast finds you well or certainly on your way to being well and recovered. And what's wonderful about recovery is the minute we decide to stop living in the pain, discomfort, and discouragement that our substance abuse or addicted behavior brings, we are now on that path to recovery. And that's just the way it is. So about halfway through this podcast, I'm going to give you some information about me and how to reach out to me. But in the meantime, let's get into today's topic, or as I like to say, to jump into the deep end of the pool. Today's topic is called personal responsibility. Responsibility on a personal level. Now, if you're a member of Alcoholics Anonymous or another 12-step group, you may have heard this before, and it's called I Am Responsible. And it's and it's the uh, baked into the cake of Alcoholics Anonymous, and certainly step 12, when we've had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, and then, of course, we go and carry this message, right? It says, I am responsible when anyone anywhere reaches out for help, I want the hand of AA always to be there. And for that, I am responsible, right? So there's a degree of personal responsibility that we must take for our own personal recovery. Doesn't that make sense? Because my sponsor, Slow Will, um, can't recover for me any more than I can recover for him. And my friend Scotty just celebrated 37 years about three weeks ago. And, and he did that because he decided to take personal responsibility, right? Now, tradition one in the AA says our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. But that is in the fellowship. That is in the agreement. Everyone needs to take the steps for themselves for the sake of others, right? It's that inside-out approach to recovery and change that I try to promote in my coaching. How for me to take personal responsibility, matter of fact, I had a mentor a number of years ago. He's since passed away uh, back in 2001, and it was sad to lose this person. He was a giant in my life. 
But I used to want to defend myself all the time, even recovery. I Certain things that certain people would say to me, and I would take offense and take defense. And he would say to me, why aren't you taking responsibility for that? At least to look at it, right? He said, every time you defend yourself, it is likely pride, which means I don't want to take responsibility. One of the things that is said in uh, Alcoholics Anonymous in the big book of AA, it says that contempt prior to investigation is a bar against all information and will lead to everlasting ignorance. So as I take things in and I go through the steps and I understand the program and how it's supposed to interact with me, how I'm supposed to interact with the power greater than myself and how that's supposed to play out in my relationship with you and others, I'm taking personal responsibility. I'm looking at everything as if some of it is mine to own, right? Uh, often said, because I, you know, certain people I want to assign responsibility. And so a guy told me one time, I think it was a guy, uh, could have been a gal. It was very wise, no matter who I heard it from. Um, but they said that if you're there, if you're there, you're at least 50% wrong. And I thought, well, maybe not. Maybe it was just happenstance. Maybe maybe they're 90% and I was only 10%. You know what? I didn't want to take personal responsibility because at the end of the day, if I'm there, unless it's incarceration, right, which is not my choice, that choice has been taken away by my lack of personal responsibility. You with me? So or disregard for responsibility that I have toward others. So if I am there of my own free will, why am I not at least half wrong for that circumstance? If I didn't want to be wrong at all, I would remove myself. So just by being there, I have to accept responsibility. You know, in my in my career of, of a counselor, as a coach, I've, I've had an opportunity to work uh, at Casa de San Bernardino when I was a counselor straight out of college back in 1993, and I was working with uh, court-appointed, nonviolent first-time drug offenders. I've worked in social model recovery. I've worked in medical model recovery. I've worked in dual diagnosis uh, recovery, and along the way... One of the most interesting and challenging opportunities was when I was a DUI instructor in California. Back in 2008, you know, the economy just sort of crashed and, and things were really negative and finding any job was really challenging for many people in America. And so to make ends meet, I was um, a DUI instructor. I was certified by the state of California um, and trained, and I worked for three different agencies that had first-time and multiple uh, DUI offenders. Craziest population on the planet. If you want to talk about people not taking responsibility, walk into a DUI class. It was unbelievable. Now, I'm a person of recovery, and so I'm having to take responsibility for everything, right? Some of which I didn't even do, but I figured why not take it? 
if nothing else, you learn from it. So I come from a, a standpoint of 12-step recovery, taking personal responsibility, always taking my own inventory and seeing when I was wrong, I would promptly admit it, right? So being a DUI instructor, it's a very tricky thing because you don't want to offend them because the judge, the court has mandated them to 36 or 52 or 104 weeks of counseling, depending upon how many uh, DUIs they've had. And we would go three and four DUIs with some of these people before finally they realized that they were just a danger and they would just lock them up for a year or two years and force some level of sobriety or, or compliance on them, right? Uh, through incarceration, uh, incarceration, the master of conversion, uh, coercion. So anyway, we had, um, they had to show up uh, once a week. So one day a week, they had a 15 minute one-on-one -on -one session with the likes of me. And then the, the following week, they would have a, uh, a group meeting and it usually went about 90 minutes. We'd show video and have group conversation and so on and so forth. But they were there for their DUI, but they weren't there for a drinking problem. Now, I understand that not everyone who has a DUI has a drinking problem. But as Father Martin would say, at what point or at at, at point that alcohol is causing you problems, you have a problem with alcohol, right? A dear friend of mine in AA years ago said, not every time I was drunk did I get in trouble, but every time I was in trouble, I was drunk, right? Making that connection. So now it could be now here in Utah now, the, uh, the state, I think, uh, BAL, blood alcohol level is 0.04 which is not very much. That's just a couple drinks, considering that every drink, depending upon who you are, is 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 uh, 0.02 in blood alcohol level, and your body metabolizes about 0 0.02 uh, per hour. So you could have three drinks in two hours, and the likelihood you would be 0 0.04. Well, if you drank like me or like you, the likelihood is consuming uh, uh, three drinks in uh, uh, two hours would pretty much make us a lightweight, right? Uh, my my drink would get watered down and my beer would get stale and, and warm by the time I would ever let that happen. And God forbid <laughs> that wouldn't be happening. So I would go into this class and I actually would get in trouble because I wanted to make a connection between their getting a DUI and their, their indiscriminatory approach to alcohol, right? And I would try to make a connection with them. And not so that they would be alcoholic, because whether you're alcoholic or not doesn't really matter to me, because you have to own that or not own that. Maybe you are, maybe you are. I don't know. I don't I, I don't make those decisions. I just know that my name is Robert and I'm alcoholic, right? So, but but I was trying to make a connection and trying to challenge them because, you know, this was many years ago, back in 2008, uh, 2009, for a couple of years I did this. Now the fines are even much more strict and 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 uh, DUIs are, are easier to come by and driving impaired and all those extra things based on the state that you live in. 
But nowadays, they'll figure that a DUI is going to cost you $10,000 and beyond, right? I remember when I got my DUI, I think, and this is really hard because I, I don't remember many things, but it, I think it was like 1982. It's probably the closest I could come. I got my DUI in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I was so hammered. I mean, I got out of the car and I just told the police officer, I said, you might as well take me to jail. And he said, well, why would I do that? And I said, because I'm not passing any any tests, right? So sure enough, he did. And he took me to jail. Uh, odd story. Uh, I wasn't even driving my own car. Uh, so so you can you know how hammered my friend was because we decided that I was less intoxicated than he was. Therefore, and I think I blew that night a three a point three eight. So I was pretty close to blind. Anyway, so they take me to the um, Las Vegas City Jail, and and this was about one in the morning, two in the morning, and by six a.m. I got out on my own recognizance on an OR, no bail required, and I had to go to five what they called lower court counseling classes, and as soon as I would go those, it would be stricken, uh, at least a moving violation, off my record, um, and I would have to pay a fine of $250, right? So here I was, blow a .38, um, go to jail, slept it off, got out at 6 a.m., had to go to five classes and paid a $250 fine, and that was it, right? Sadly for me, I, I wouldn't um, learn my ways and get into recovery until about four years later. Anyway, nowadays it's very, very different. You pay thousands and thousands of dollars for DUI schooling, and you lose your license for 30 days, depending upon what state you're in. It's pretty serious. So so I would get these people who would not want to take personal responsibility, and it was everything, right? It was everything, but you know what? Maybe I had one too many. It was my taillight was out. Uh, they were sitting and waiting for me. Um, they say I ran a red light. They say I rolled through a stop and, and all these things. And that's why they got their DUI, right? And I said, well, understand, please understand. I'm not trying to label you because I knew they were jumped to that. I've gotten pulled over for a taillight out or registration that was past due. Um, maybe they think I went through a yellow when I should have stopped. Uh, maybe I didn't stop long enough. I mean, who doesn't get pulled over for that? And I would say the difference between you and me is you were drunk. You blew at least a 0 .08 and I was sober. So we've had these things and we would go back and forth, but the thing they wouldn't do is take personal responsibility. When we come into recovery, personal responsibility begins. And if there's anything that I want to help you understand is how we must take responsibility for our addiction, the things behind it and our personal recovery over it, right? I'm so glad that once I admitted that I was alcoholic and a compulsive gambler and a drug addict and all those other things, bulimic, compulsive overeater, um, addicted to pornography, once I admitted all those things, now, now that is the first step in recovery, admitting 
we were powerless is the first step. Because if I don't take personal responsibility, if I don't admit, why would I want to do the work, right? If I don't think I need to learn something, why would I study, right? Sometimes I study because I enjoy that particular area of study and I want to learn. Sometimes there's a grade associated with it, just like in my marriage. I had to study how to be a husband that would honor and respect and adore and cherish and treat and minister to Laura, right? Because at the end of it, there was a reward. There was something I wanted. I wanted to be that person and the reward, the reciprocation that she would honor me with as a result of that, it was really worth taking the responsibility for saying, I don't know how to be this. I don't know how to be that. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. But the first thing it is, I need to say, I don't know, or I don't have and take responsibility to go get it. And that's what recovery is, right? To take on the steps, to go the path, to work with others, to have others work with me, because I need to be as a person who does not know, and then take personal responsibility for knowing. Lacking personal responsibility kept me from becoming well when it was sorely indicated. If you don't think for a moment that everyone around me knew that I had a problem with alcohol, I mean, you can only lose so many jobs, right? Your resume can only look, you ever get to a point where you know you have to lie in your resume? Because if you don't, they're actually going to call people you worked for and they're going to say, no, this guy's not rehirable. I remember having to come to terms. I was a I was a room service waiter in the Las Vegas Hilton back in the mid-80s. And I lost that job as good of a food server I was. And back in those days with hospitality suites, I'd be making $800 to $1,200 a week. Sometimes I would make $600, $500 in a day, right? You could make some real money at the Hilton back in the 80s as a room service waiter. And I lost that job. And yet I needed to tell other restaurants that I had that job, right? So how do you do that when they know they're going to call the room service manager and say, hey, what kind of guy was Robert Pardon like? I understand he worked for you. And if they told them the truth, they would say, Robert's a great guy, incredible server, but he had a way of not showing up for four or five days at a time. Or when he did show up, his his pores were 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 sweating alcohol, right? Not a good indicator, not a good job reference. And so when 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 I got sober and I was employable again after about three or four months of of trying to get dry and become that good application, I would go back and when I when I mentioned that Fitzgerald, I had to go tell him the truth. I had to take personal responsibility. And they said, you're applying for a graveyard coffee shop waiter here at Fitzgerald downtown. You say you used to work at the Las Vegas Hilton. Can you help me understand what happened, right? So fortunately, I had a friend who was helping me get the job at the Hilton or, or at the uh, Fitzgerald. And I said, you know what? I had a drinking problem. You know, I go to AA now. Um, I've been clean and sober. It was probably, you know, 90, 100, 110 days, whatever it was at the time. This is who I'm trying to be. So if you really give me a chance, 
I'll show you who I can be. So again, it was a graveyard coffee shop at the Fitzgerald. So you know what? They rolled the dice on me and it worked out fantastic. Nine months later, I, I got a promotion. The, the Golden Nugget Spa Tower downtown was opening up and they were expanding room service. And I had another friend in AA who was working there and he introduced me to Fernando. He hired me based on the fact that I had all of that room service experience at the Hilton. And now I had a great reference at Fitzgerald's. It was pretty cool. But that's all about taking personal responsibility, right? And that's what we do in recovery. I am responsible, right? I must take full responsibility for my addiction and other related behaviors. And then, only then, can I make a commitment to myself to become well. Unless I take personal responsibility, it's always, always, always going to be up to someone else or something else to do for me what I should be doing for myself. Does that make sense? Until I say, I must do this for me, and it is my responsibility, it's not my daughter Carol, it's not my daughter Jane, Kathleen, any of my children, it's not up to Laura, it's not up to my friends, it's not up to my sister Mary, my brother George, it's not up to anyone. I must take personal responsibility in order for it to get right. Again, recovery is an inside-out job. It is not an outside-in. Uh, I'm not recovered based on external gratification or motivation that is a result of my recovery. It is a benefit of my recovery, but it is not my recovery. That is why step one is so necessary, right? As it says in the 12 and 12, that we uh, admit complete defeat, right? And now, speaking of which, if you want to reach out to me, uh, go to recoveryguy.org. You can find me on Instagram at recovery underscore guy. You can go to Facebook, the recovery guy. When you go to recoveryguy.org, you can find patreon.com forward slash recovery guy. You can give on a monthly basis. You can go to Venmo uh, at Robert hyphen pardon hyphen three to give a, a, a one-time donation. Whatever you do, when you go to a podcast channel that you subscribe to or recoveryguy.org, would you please subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend of what we're doing here. If you're looking for a recovery or a life coach, a sober coach, let me know. Let's have that conversation. I have periodic openings and I'd love to sit down with you. We can Zoom meeting this to get to know each other a little bit better and I can help you find your way. For those of you who don't know, I've been so blessed with over three and a half decades of personal recovery and I want to help you find some of the things that I have found along the way. So going back, again, that is why step one is so necessary. Every succeeding step in recovery offers me the opportunity to take further personal responsibility. Believe me, we we baby step this thing, right? And what about Bob? Baby step into the counter, baby step into the water, baby step in here, baby step in there. We take this piecemeal. There's far too much for me to learn and to absorb and to release and to admit for me to do this one time. I get sober in a vacuum, 
right? April 25th, 1986 is my final sobriety date uh, by the grace and mercies of God. And, and I haven't found it necessary to take a drink or a drug since then, right? So I have taken personal responsibility for that and I move every step incrementally. It's like, um, it's like uh, an incremental approach uh, to change in my life. I do it one step at a time, one day at a time. And as I take each step in recovery, I'm getting closer to the type of daily responsibility I must take to sustain the recovery that I've been given to grow in that recovery and have a lifelong opportunity to be in recovery one day at a time for the rest of my life. Oftentimes, people are afraid of that word never or ever, right? I intend to never relapse. I believe I can be sober forever. I believe I can be like my sponsor, Jack, Texas Mike, and countless others who have gone before me in sobriety to eternity. My sponsor, Jack, passed away a little bit more than two years ago of terminal cancer. Well, it was terminal. It killed him, right? He had cancer, and it turned out to be terminal. It was very sad. And I remember talking to him three days before he would draw his last breath. It wasn't a matter of if he was going to die, but when, and it was right around the corner. Um, I had a great opportunity to spend some time with him, drove down to Las Vegas. Um, and there we sat on his bed and I asked him, I said, Jack, what do I tell him? 44 years of recovery is a giant in recovery and service in Las Vegas. Everyone knows Jack Fisher. Uh, he made a point because he was so he'd take full responsibility of helping other people as he was helping himself to his own recovery. And I said, Jack, what do I tell him? You know, if you're going to pass this mantle to me, what do I tell them on your behalf? And he said, Bob, tell them it works. Tell them it works. That would be the last thing he would ever say to me on Wednesday of that following week, he would die. What works? You know what works? Taking personal responsibility for not only where I got to, but how I can get from there to this to this life. So as long as I'm willing to take on a daily basis personal responsibility for myself, why can't I do this one day at a time for the rest of my life? Why wouldn't I intend? I mean, don't you intend? to not die foolishly? Isn't that your intention? That's my intention as well. And I really believe by the example of so many others who have set before me, as I was telling my friend Scotty, as I visited him for his 37th birthday about three weeks ago, um, between Slow Will, Buddy, Eddie, Steve M, Scott, and me, and I'm the baby of the group, we have 228 years of personal recovery between six people. These five I've known my entire recovered life. 228 years with six people who are still living, still serving, still taking personal responsibility. Is it one day at a time? Well, of course it is, right? 
What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual conditioning. I get that. I know that. I've studied the big book inside and out. But I believe if we do that, we can take personal responsibility. If personal responsibility is the key to my personal recovery, and I take that personal responsibility every day until I die, why can't I have that personal recovery every day until I die? The answer is, I can. This is what personal responsibility affords me. And I hope you join me on this journey. Remember, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter where we start. It matters where we end up. And since this is about the journey and not the destination, where I desire to end up is on the successful end of another day. Now, understand success is, is a relative term. When I was a newcomer, success meant I didn't drink or use that day. Success is very different for me today. Because it's deeper. I can't get away with the fact, well, at least I didn't drink. I'm not afforded that anymore. God forbid. If if I say that in a meeting or I say that to you or I think that in my heart, I've done something wrong. If I'm thanking God that at least I didn't drink today, that should be f so far down the line for old timers like me. And if it's not, have a conversation with me. Let me know why you think differently. I'd be very interested in hearing what you're not doing in order to feel that you're one drink away from a drunk. Now, I know that it's the first drink that gets us drunk, but come on. If you've been sober for any period of time, four, five, 10, 20, 30 years, 40 years as, as many of my friends, why are you saying that you're only one drink away from a drunk? You should be a lot farther away than just that. You, that drink, that drug, that behavior should be so far down the line. I would have to quit a lot of things before I would no longer recoil as if from a hot flame, right? For by this time, alcohol is no longer my problem. I have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. But success is a relative term. Where I end up today will set the stage for where I start tomorrow. And where I start tomorrow will help determine where I end up tomorrow and so on and so on and so on. Never lose sight of where we are at, especially when it comes to taking personal responsibility. Hey, thank you so much for joining me today. Again, go to recoveryguy.org, subscribe, share, comment, be a part of this recovery movement. Find me on Instagram, recovery underscore guy. Go to your favorite podcast channel, or again, just go to recoveryguy.org. Go to recoveryguy uh, for patreon.com forward slash recoveryguy to give monthly. And again, go to uh, Venmo, Robert hyphen pardon hyphen three, or at right, um, on Venmo and check that out for a one-time donation. Go to the Recovery Guy on Facebook. Find me. Let me know what I can do for you. If you're looking for a recovery coach, a sober coach, a life coach, let me know. Let's have that conversation so we can see what we can do to help you get to where you want to be, to overcome stumbling blocks, to challenges. Let me know what I can do to help you achieve the goals you're looking to achieve. Thank you once again for joining us. And as always, my name is Robert, and I am 
the recovery guy.